Hello everyone and welcome to Darkest Magic. I'm Tana and I have been gone a while. <laughs> if I were to give excuses, my honest truth is the fact that I recorded this episode four times. This is my fourth time that I'm recording this because life went against me. The first time it, the audio got corrupted, the second time it got deleted, the third time it also got deleted, but the third time was kind of on me because I knew I was having storage issues on my laptop. But regardless, it's been a long ass time and I miss talking to y'all. This episode, I should probably just start now because otherwise I won't shut the fuck up. Or actually, I hope y'all have been well. Um, Grab a cup of tea. I'm drinking a cup of tea while I'm recording this. Sit down, go for a walk, do whatever you like, and just let's gush over Greek gods together. Why not? I'm going to start with um, one of the big 12, the big grand poppies, called Ares, the god of war. Now, Ares is a misunderstood character. I'm going to say he's misunderstood. Maybe he's not, but I'm choosing to make him misunderstood. And he has quite a lot of lore. But we're not really here for that. And honestly, I'm going to go briefly over him because he's not my favourite, but I still think he's hot. He is quite often represented as being very physical or very violent. And he's kind of like the untamed aspect of war. And he's the personification of sheer brutality and bloodlust. People take this as if it were a bad thing. I do not think this is a bad thing. I think we all love aggressive men. Hello, yes. <laughs> but um, he's not only like represented in this way and he kind of has bad connotations because I suppose because he's the god of war, but um, he's Zeus's child and even Zeus finds him insufferable because there's like a passage somewhere around there when he's like, if you weren't my son, I would like get rid of you because you're so fucking annoying. But I'm not going to choose to listen to Zeus because Zeus is problematic in and of himself. He's a massive grade A asshole. So why should he be a good judge of character? Also, Ares is generally looked down on by all the gods. He was not a popular person. But this is just adding to the allure, the mystery that who is this man? <laughs> um, and he was just kind of seen as a barbarian. So kinky. Um, he does have a little bit of problematic side if this wasn't problematic enough i mean if you're listening to this this isn't problematic for you either we all know the genre of what i talk about you and i think the same we're both dirty minded that enjoy dark romance probably if not you're probably listening to the wrong podcast regardless he is a little bit um of a cheater as in he's an adulterer if i'm being honest because he had an affair with Aphrodite when Aphrodite was married and not only did he have an affair with Aphrodite they also had a child together and their child is going to be the next god I'm going to talk about and I would keep talking about Ares but honestly I'm just going to move on because it all links with each other it's all coherent their son which is also one of my favorite Greek gods is Eros the god of love and sex Eros is the Roman god equivalent of Cupid, except instead of being a big fat baby with a bow and arrow, he is depicted as a sexy young man that is a troublemaker in the best kind of way. Hence, without a shadow of a doubt, he should be one of my favourite gods. Hello. You know, taste. 
he is actually quite unproblematic, unlike his father and mother, and unlike a lot of the Big 12 that have their all issue, their own issues and their scandals and their shit. But he doesn't actually have that much story to him, as in there's not a lot of mythology around him. He's kind of just in charge of love and all that. He's one of the love gods, because there's like a couple of them, if you didn't know. But his main lore, if you want to call it like that, his story, his plot, is his relationship with Psyche. Which is quite a, a, bit, a bit of a turbulent relationship, but quite romantic in a way, because we love a loyal king. And he loved this woman to death. So... Psyche was a mortal woman, she was a princess, and she's said to be so beautiful that men, human men that used to make altars to Aphrodite, would start making altars to her, because she was that amazing, incredible, unbelievable. Aphrodite got really jealous of this. She wanted to be the queen, the creme de la creme, which, you know, go her, she is Aphrodite, she is the goddess of love, you know, yeah. But she commanded Eros to make uh, Psyche fall in love with the ugliest creature that could roam the earth, the ugliest. In his quest to do what his mother wanted, he ended up falling in love with her as well. He wisps her away to his little kingdom, uh, or his little land, or whatever you want to call it, and he marries her. They basically get married, they're deeply in love. They have a couple of, uh, like a grace period almost, where they're happy, and they're in their little cocoon, until there's always an until in these things for some reason greek mythology loves to be tragic psyche ends up having to betray eros because her jealous sister goes psycho and i don't really know fully what happens there but something happens and she has to betray him because of her sister i think her sister played a trick on her or something but i'm not sure so i'm not gonna make any guarantees or any claims um so because of this psyche loses arrows and psyche ends up roaming earth through many years almost i think or for a long stretch of time where she's just going from one temple to another of the gods asking to be reunited with her love because she misses arrows so deeply um she eventually wanders into aphrodite's temple and she asks her please, please let me be reunited with Ares. So Aphrodite, obviously, not only was she jealous of Psyche beforehand, but now it's like, oh, my son. So she sets her these four tasks she has to complete. Four very difficult tasks that a human can't do. She needs supernatural, whatever you want to call it, powers and help to complete these tasks. But if she does, she will be reunited with her love. So she ends up completing these tasks with help, whatever, she does it. And this proves to Aphrodite that her love is true and she really does deserve to be with Eros, if you want to say it like that. And they finally get reunited. Because of all the trials and tribulations Psyche went through, she actually got upgraded to goddess status. And she was able to live with Eros happily ever after in their happy god place, which... I'll be honest, I cannot remember the name of. Um, maybe I should look that up. But <laughs> anyway, moral of the story is that I'm a very big fan of Eros because, like, he's one of the few Greek gods that is very unproblematic in terms of relationships. Although he's kind of this mischievous character that's got, well, you know, got a love and sex and stuff, and adventurous in that. Truly, he just loves Psyche and doesn't try and measle his way around things, doesn't cheat on her, isn't toxic in that way. 
and waits for her essentially until they get reunited. So I suppose it's a tale of true love and how fitting is it that a god of love has true love? Because his mother, on the other hand, who's the goddess of love, is tremendously problematic. Tremendously. So at least maybe one generation down there's some sort of salvation there. I don't know. And even still, when I was reading up about these gods and their mythology, <laughs> I was reading the Wikipedia, which I know is not a good source of information. And as a journalism student, I should know this. But when you need like broad strokes of something, Wikipedia does the trick. I, like if I'm missing some information, I'll look elsewhere. That's not the point. At the bottom, if you look up any god page about any of them, if you're interested, there's like a genealogy thing. There's like a tree, like a family tree. Um, of like the big main gods obviously there's a lot there's demigods you have creatures you have so many things but if you look at this tree it's like straight lines and then suddenly you see Zeus on the left hand side that has Hera obviously his wife and below that it's just woman after woman affair after affair child after child if you didn't hate Zeus before, you should hate him now. He deserves it. He's a womanizer. He's a prick. I do not like Zeus. I think the concept of Zeus could have been hot. Like, lightning daddy. Yes. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. But, like, you know what I mean? His concept is great. But the execution, highly questionable. Morally dubious. Anyway, moving on again to my actual favourite god. Um, my favourite god of all favourite gods, my um, my one true love, I suppose, <laughs> which is Hades. I adore Hades. I think he's a very misunderstood god. A lot of people that aren't into the whole reading contemporary versions of Greek gods and stuff are like, oh my god, he's the god of death. First of all, he's not the god of death. He's the god of the underworld, which I know a lot of people know. But a lot of people, a lot of other people, still make that mistake of that distinction. He is not the god of death. The actual god of death is Thanatos, who is the son of Nyx. So let's just get that out of the way in the first place. Second of all, he has an adorable three-headed doggy called Severus. Severus? Severus? I, know, I can't pronounce it, but it doesn't matter. And I just love that. Like, the man has an awesome dog. That's like, okay, the guard dog or whatever, but it's an awesome dog. Like, what are we questioning here? And he's loyal to Persephone to the very end, loves her dearly. Well, okay, there's a bit of debate around that. I'll get to that in a minute. But love him. I love him. I think his concept is so attractive. Um, he is just, if I were to describe any of the Greek gods as sexy, it would be him. Without a shadow of a doubt. Onto the actual mythology before I get onto the contemporary um, depictions and stuff. He is actually kind of, I would say he's probably one of the more important gods. Like all the gods are important, but he's very important in the sense that he kind of represents balance. So he is the god of the underworld, but he is the balance between life and death. Something inevitably everyone's going to go through. And he's quite protective of his realm. A lot of depictions of him are of him preferring being in the underworld than in the real world away from the the rest of the gods more 
keep to himself kind of character from what I'm understanding. He gets quite ticked off if someone tries to cross him. And by quite ticked off, I mean he's ter- he gets terribly pissy. He even has a... Um, like a chair of forgetfulness. So there's a tale where he punishes Prithius because he tries to steal Persephone from the underworld, puts him in this chair, and he just like forgets his entire existence. He is just kind of a homebody. He just doesn't really leave the underworld. He likes the underworld. It's just, it's his home, I suppose. It's his little realm. But like all the other gods have all share the human realm, whereas Hades has his own realm, which is really badass. (laughs) Like, for real? (laughs) Um, And then we have the iconic, famous tale of him and Persephone. I'd like to get out of the way just to begin the fact that Persephone is the daughter of Demeter uh, and Zeus. Demeter and Zeus being Hades' siblings. Therefore, Persephone is his niece. Um... I'm just gonna tiptoe by that because I'm just gonna say Greek gods don't play by the same rules humans do, okay? They are, they're not human, even though they have human problems because we need to personify them so we can relate to them. Um, they're not human, so let's not... Yeah, I'm just gonna leave it there uh, before I keep on digging myself in a hole. <laughs> and also there's the whole thing of he takes her when she's 17. But also bearing in mind at this time, because this is like, what, three centuries BC, um, if not more, or even five centuries, fifth century BC. And I'm not fully sure of the time frame. Roughly, it's around that time. People had a much shorter life expectancy. So their 17 then is not our 17 now. So we have to take that into account. Like their 17 made it, might be our equivalent of 25 maybe even 30 i don't really know what the life expectancy was like but i know it was not that long and you know the greeks were problematic in their own right with their slavery and lack of women's rights and all that shit but anyway he whisks persephone away because she see he sees her in a garden falls in love with her instantly has to have her takes her to the underworld and there's problems <laughs> Demeter gets tremendously ticked off because she wants her daughter back obviously and she plunges the entire world into a famine as punishment now before Persephone was taken away to the underworld Demeter told her don't eat anything because it'll be cursed there'll be a bond there'll be a bind something blah 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 well as Persephone is leaving the underworld to save the universe from their, its inevitable demise from this famine Demetria is having a bitch fit about. I mean, I say a bitch fit, but realistically, if I were a mother and some god that it does not have much good fame between the rest of the gods takes away my daughter, I think I'd also have every right to be in a bitch fit. But I'm on Hades' side in this case, so we're not going to go there. But... Uh, when she leaves, she being Persephone, um, Hades hands her a pomegranate. So she has pomegranate seed and then suddenly she realises, oh shit, I'm fucked. And by this she gets bound to the underworld forever. Hades strikes a deal in which she has to spend a third of the year with him and then the other two thirds she can spend in the normal in the normal world. I'm just saying. I am just saying. He only asked for a third. He could have asked for half a year. 
I think he was being very generous here. I think he was being very thoughtful. <laughs> I can't believe I'm justifying this. But like, think about it. Just, just think about it for a second and you'll realise what a thoughtful man. What an attractive, thoughtful man. <laughs> but actual mythology aside, I also read three books that are based on the whole Hades and Persephone tale. And I read them a, a while ago and I'm a little bit vague on some of them. I'm not going to lie because I honestly did not feel like rereading them. And I'll get to that uh, when I actually talk about each one. So, first of all, we have A Touch of Darkness by Scarlett St. Clair. I'm going to start with this book because I think it was the one that was truest to the actual tale. Or to the original mythology, whatever you want to say. This has a very interesting parallel because on one hand we have the modern world, contemporary romance, where Persephone wanders into this club, this club that is owned by Hades, but Greek gods are a thing. They're godlike. They're legendary in society, which, you know, that little dash of fantasy in it, but like the whole idea of it is that it's contemporary because there's still rules of normal world, human world in there. But then we have the flip of the coin where we have the actual underworld. So there is a dimension of the underworld in this book, which does not happen in the other two books I'm gonna talk about. Well, it does, but it happens in a different way. In this book, it's more of like that classic underworld thing of it being a different universe with this big island it's not really an island but it's sort of like a paradise of lost souls and stuff and persephone ends up loving this place obviously falls in love with hades they have complications because every book needs complications because of relationships and i'll be honest the first time i read this book i loved it but two three weeks afterwards i was starting to forget the plot a couple of months down the line i cannot remember what happens in this book i cannot remember like at all which is not a very good sign because like you're reading a book you want to remember it i also understand the fact that i at least read a lot of books i know there's some people that read 100 150 books a year i'm not that person i read maybe 40 40 in a year um i'm kind of reading faster now so i'm assuming 2024 i might reach 50 even though my goodreads reading goal is 35 <laughs> but you know we all like um achievable goals but even within that, I don't consider that I read that much, but maybe compared to other people, I do. I still vaguely remember most books I read. This book, that does not happen. I do not remember almost the entire book. I liked the whole touch of Hades having a club, Hades being this like dark, sexy man. I like that this book keeps that sort of aloofness and mystery that there is to Hades, but I think almost he's a little bit too sweet and too kind. Like he's supposed to, he's supposed to be a multifaceted man. He's supposed to have that um, death, bad vibes, people don't like him, but he's secretly a softy kind of thing. But he, to me, he wasn't psych I wouldn't say psychotic enough, but he wasn't like aggressive enough. I needed him to be a little more fuck human rules, fuck society. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want to. Because I well like my understanding of his character 
is to be that little bit more unhinged. Human and real world ties do not bind him because he has his own realm. He is a god, but not only is he a god, but he has his own domain. He is this big, powerful grand poppy of a man. And he's suddenly like a cinnamon roll, which totally, like, again, I like cinnamon roll, but not in Hades. I don't think it was the kind of Hades I wanted personally. But then again, I read a lot of dark romance. Like, I read copious amounts of dark romance. And not only that, but my favorite characters tend to be the completely unhinged, completely psychotic ones. So, what I expect from Hades does not mean that is what you're going to expect and it does not mean that it's going to be what you enjoy or you don't enjoy. Overall, I gave this book about three stars, mostly because of my disappointment in Hades and also because there's a little bit of a lack of spark in Persephone's character, but maybe it's because I didn't relate to her enough for myself. But even within that, I thought it was a good book and I definitely think it's a good read. It's something different, and if you like the whole Hades Persephone tale, you should definitely should read it because you will enjoy it. The next book with this same plot that I'm going to talk about is Promises and Pomegranates by Sav R. Miller. It's the first book in a, I think it's a six book series. I think it's called Gods and Monsters or something like that. Or Myth and Monsters, if I'm not wrong. I didn't take it off my shelf, so I <laughs> haven't seen it. But this book, this book was very interesting. And I really liked what it did from a literary standpoint. It wasn't a work of ours. I know a lot of people say that the second book is a lot better. But this book is very interesting because it's a dark mafia romance. First of all, Hades is not called Hades, he's called Cal. And Persephone isn't called Persephone, she's called Elena. And Elena is part of, it's, she's a, an Italian mafia princess. And Cal is the, what's, how would you call it? But like the get it done guy. Like her father's right hand man in the sense that he like gets rid of problems. As in kills them. I was going to say unalives them as if this is TikTok. Uh, he kills them. He takes out the trash, if you want to put it like that. Cal in this book is very much unhinged. He's more of the Hades I wanted Hades to be in um, A Touch of Darkness. The only thing is, he's a little bit too unhinged. There's the thing, spoiler, um, if you haven't thought of it already, spoiler. Uh, what are you doing listening to this part? Skip ahead. Um... He does have a revelation at one point where we find out that he fucked Elena's mom. That was a lot for me. I was shocked. I think I literally slammed my book against my bed and I was like, no way. Because it was a bit of a... <gasps> but it wasn't out of character for the kind of Cal or kind of Hades that was in this book. But I don't know. I think he was a little bit too mafia man. I would have liked maybe, I don't know. I thought he was interesting. He's not my favorite male character, but I think he was done well. Uh, in this book, it's a total contemporary romance. I mean, it has the whole fantasy thing of the whole mafia aspect of it, but nothing fantasy actually happens. Like it's, it's, it's fiction, but it's contemporary. It's very interesting because instead of 
Cal having a underworld like he does in the other two books I'm talking about. The next one I'll, I'll get to after this book. Um, he has a little island. He has a little private island where he has his house, he has his life, and it's very private and secluded. And that's the equivalent of the underworld. So I think this book is very clever in the sense of how it takes a fantasy and a mythology story into real life. What is true is that this book prefaces like it, it has a statement I think I don't know if it's in the back or if it's in the front on the inside I don't know where it is but it, it is said that it's loosely based on the myth and it's true it's loosely based on the myth where the touch of darkness is very true to it Cal is unhinged in a very sexy way and I thought it was a good read it's a very interesting read but I must say I did leave this book like halfway like I got to the whole half of this book and I stopped reading because I got bored <laughs> like I just left it on my bookshelf and it's a beautiful book I have the physical copy of it it's a beautiful book it's like it's worth having in person because the cover is gorgeous but the beginning it takes a long time to get started and you also have to be in a mafia reading mood if you're not in a dark mafia reading mood do not pick this up wait till you're in that kind of flow because otherwise you will not enjoy this. But anyway, I left it. But I came back to it at one point because I decided that I wanted to finish off the books I had left halfway. And I finished it. But like when I picked it up, I couldn't put it back down. So the pace really picked up in the second half. A lot more things were happening. There was more to each character. We get to understand Cal more. We get to understand Elena more and her connection with Cal. And this kind of like, I wouldn't say regret, but like this sort of weird relationship she has with him because she kind of grew up in this purity culture thing because, you know, Russian mafia princesses, they have to be virgins, which I hate. I know a lot of people make a point of it in their books, but I really do not understand the whole virginal thing. I really don't like when authors are like, oh my God, she started bleeding. Because the reality is just anatomy wise we'll just go back to anatomy class to misunderstanding that's been being in society for so fucking long about how the whole hymen thing works yes there's a lot of women that when they lose their virginity it breaks their hymen yes that is true but it's also true that a lot of women when they're young girls break it beforehand because you go horse riding because you do very rough road around the ground sports and it just breaks for whatever reason it's a protective layer that's there that exists when you're born as a baby to protect that organ it's not supposed to be there forever so it does bother me when we have this whole like oh my god i fucked her for the first time and she bled that it bugs me i understand why it's used in these genres because that's the they're using the extremes and the archaic side of mafias and the the like patriarchal view of life and of family in these dynamics but even still it still bothers me because like not that young girls should be reading these books because it's not or that demographic. Uh, I can't say shit because I was reading dirty Wattpad stories when I was 14 um, or in daddy stories when I was like 15. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's been an evolution. <laughs> I, it still just bothers me. It just rose me the wrong way and it's probably something I'll never get over. But it's just a detail in this book. It's not that big of a deal. But anyway, 
very interesting book. I'm not really going to get into it a whole lot because first of all, I can't remember it. And second of all, this is not a book episode, even though I'm going to spend like a third of this episode talking about books. <laughs> this is not a book episode. But I do really recommend this book. It takes a while to get into it. But if you like romance and you want to just see how the mythology is translated into mafia fiction, oh my god, read it. It's so interesting. Then again, I don't know if I'm going to pick up the rest of the books in this series because it didn't engage me enough. I have read better books and I've read better mafia books. For example, Zoe Blake's um, Sweet, I think it's called Sweet Obsession series. Or maybe that's the first book. And it's like six books, but they're fantastically written. I've talked about them in the Mafia Daddy um, episode. And I may make another episode where I only talk about this series because it's that good. I would recommend that more than this. But if you want the fusion of Greek mythology with mafia romance, oh my god, pick this up. Like, without a shadow of a doubt, pick it up. It's so interesting to see how it's done. And it's an enjoyable read. For the final (laughs) book I must speak of is Neon Gods by Katie Roberts. This book was a little in the sense of TikTok sold it to me or specifically Book Talk sold it to me as a kinky, dark romance, Greek mythology, Hades Persephone novel. Was this that? Not really. It had kinky elements to it. Hades was portrayed as a dom, Persephone was portrayed as a sub, but not really. It was not great. It was kind of like a vanilla's introduction to kink. I myself, I'm not a vanilla. I have not been vanilla for a long time. Sometimes I'm vanilla with sprinkles. Sometimes I'm a kinky fucker. It depends what mood I'm in. So this was a little bit too vanilla for me for what I was expecting because it was sold to me in a different way because BookTok was like, oh my God, it's so hot, it's steamy. It literally has a book, uh, like a quote on the cover that says unspeakably hot. It was hot, but it was not that big of a deal. (laughs) It was sexy, but there was a lot of plot in this book for being a book that was portrayed as super spicy, like five chilies on the scale. Too much plot for that. But taking that away, because maybe now it's different. I think I got it when it was in, it was a hype. It's not hyped anymore. So probably there's a more realistic Uh, view on it but taking that away this was a very interesting book very very interesting this had a lot of plot maybe more so than the other two I talked about because there was a bit more of world and political dynamics in this book because the gods instead of being like one person is Hades and that's it or one person is Zeus and that's this in this book all the gods are kind of like placeholders they're kind of like nameplates almost the people that are in those positions are almost like politicians. Well, they're not almost like politicians, they're above politicians, but they are politicians in a way. They get recycled. So Hades is a normal human being that is godlike and, and with um, like has celebrity status, but he is not a god. They are representations of gods and they are derivatives of gods even I don't even know how to explain it you have to read it to understand but it's like Zeus may be the god now one guy but his son his oldest son will be the next Zeus when the original Zeus dies and then so on and so forth the same with all the gods 
This concept I loved because it was so original and it's very different to all the other ways that these characters have been portrayed. There is a lot more of a world and a political system to this book. So there's a lot of plot if you want the kind of book where you have plot and spice. This book did not have that much spice, but again, my threshold is very high and a lot of the books I've been reading recently have been smut-driven stories with a little bit of plot to tie it all together. <laughs> so maybe I'm not the best judge. What was really cool about this was that Persephone was Persephone. She was obviously Demetra's daughter, but she was a celebrity. She had sisters. It showed the whole dynamic between her and her mother, her relationship with her sisters, her relationship with fame, how that involved everything. There is a point where Demetra sets up a marriage between her and Zeus, and she runs away, and she runs away to the underworld to escape this. So the way she gets to the underworld is different to the original mythology, but very fucking interesting because it shows not only a plot thing, but there's an emphasis in this book on other relationships apart from Hades and Persephone's relationship with each other, which I think enriches a story, makes it more involving, and makes it more engaging in the sense that you want to know what happens next. Not because just because of the relationship, but because there's other things going on. And you want to know why the fuck would Demeter, if she loves her daughter so much, want to marry her to Zeus. Uh, there's more curiosity apart from their relationship. Also, another thing in this story is that uh, Hades not only is this misunderstood, dark god of the underworld and death and ooh, bad vibe, but there's also a thing in this book where people don't even think Hades exists. And people that do think Hades exists or know he exists are the ones that are scared of him. I loved this because not only is he a dark, mysterious character because of his personality, but he is quite literally a dark and mysterious character because a lot of people don't even know he exists. Thing is, where does the kink come in? Well, Hades is actually a cinnamon role. Um, I think his character is sort of similar to his character in A Touch of Darkness. They're very different from each other, but if I had to compare them, I can't really compare him to Cal from Promises and Pomegranates because that's just too drastically different. He is so sweet with Persephone. Obviously, they fall in love with each other, but he is this dark, brooding, kinky man because that's his persona. So this character of Hades, not only is he a character, so he has his own personality, but he also plays a character. Another very interesting thing. If I say interesting one more time, take a shot. Honest to God, I'm gonna start trying to use synonyms and use my brain. <laughs> he is a fascinating character in this sense because he has a dungeon in his house, in his main house in the underworld. He has a dungeon, well, I mean, it's not really a dungeon, it's not that, but there's like a center kind of podium and he takes Persephone out. Well, he makes a deal with Persephone that she helps him keep, like, keep up with his character being this big, dangerous, scary man. And she goes on stage with him and does this big exhibition thing. So she becomes tainted, if you want to call it like that, for Zeus. So Zeus will not want to marry her. So they have a mutually benefiting deal. Long story short, Hades is a dom, she has to listen to him, but Hades, in actuality, not that much of a dom. I expected him to be a bit more of a dom, but I also understand that, like, in this book, there's a distinction between insects, he's more dominant. In his character, when he's acting for the rest of the world in this book, he is a 
a dominant but when he's with Persephone just between each other he's not a dominant he's just dominant if you understand what kind of distinction I'm trying to make I liked this because although this doesn't appeal to my own personal taste I'm kind of separating that because not everybody likes the same things and not everyone has the same kinks or the same things that tickle their fancy personally I'm more of a I like a man that is a dominant in insects not just in playing but this character was not so much that he was more of a gentle misunderstood character which is very sweet not my taste but I understand why he was made that way and I thought it was very intelligent the way he was created and the depth of his character the fact that he was trying to be this thing that he wasn't although maybe it was part of himself but not fully because he was playing it up the way Persephone played along with him the way they fell in love with each other the way they understood each other there was, it was a very enriching relationship to read and see how it evolved also towards the end of the whole there's a whole drama that unfolds clearly this is one of the books I remember most although this book I also put down at one point and I left also halfway because I wasn't engaged enough but I came back to it and I did enjoy the ending. I did struggle a bit more to finish this book than I did Promises and Pomegranates but I'd say more so I struggled with it personally because Hades wasn't the kind of, I don't know, he wasn't just, he wasn't the kind of man that I personally find attractive so I struggled a little bit more to keep reading but I kept going because the plot was very interesting. I think generally it's hard to describe these books without having if you don't read them I think actually I'd say read the three of them I wouldn't say read one more than the other because although I'm making caveats about what the characters are like or I'm saying I didn't really like this thing or that thing about these books as a complete as a total these books were fantastic because of what they did for the story and how different they are from each other individually i give them three stars across the board to the three of them for different reasons and they lacked in different reasons because of personal tastes but i am a person that reads for enjoyment not so much for quality if i wanted to read something that was great quality i pick up my copy of Pride and Prejudice or I'd pick up fucking Crime and Punishment that I haven't touched yet. Like I read the first two chapters thinking oh my god I'm gonna be so smart I'm gonna start reading Dostoevsky. <laughs> yeah um it's sitting there um and I'm I, I, I still read my porn a uh, hundred times over that book. I'm not saying it's a bad book it's not it's good but I struggle to come back to it. So what I'm trying to say is that the amount of stars I give to a book depends on how much I enjoyed it, how much I relate to the characters, not so much the unbelievable quality. If a book is extremely well written, I do take notice. I do enjoy good literature um, because it's kind of, I like to write. I'm a journalism student. I kind of need to know this shit and I kind of need to know how to write and <laughs> enjoy literature, but I'm not going to base it off of that. The reason I'm giving these books three stars and not four is because of those missing things for me. For you, if you pick up these books, they may be four stars, they may even be five stars if you read the way I do. Or they may not be, maybe they'll be worse, maybe you won't enjoy them, but I think no one, like if you're listening to this, I think nobody's going to say, oh, two stars, one star, it was shit. I think you will enjoy it to a certain degree. But I think it's also, also maybe even more enriching to read the three of them because you get to see such different ways authors manage characters, represent characters, and what those characters mean to them, and how all of us interpret differently Greek mythology. Like for me, 
Aries, instead of being this toxic, brooding, bitchy face that people talk about, I think he's probably hot. Or people say Eros, oh, he's like a stupid guy. I think he's probably very attractive. Actually, I'm going to try and pick up a book on Eros, but I'm not sure when I'm going to do that. I might come back to that. Or Hades, that people hate him. Like, sometimes I've had conversations with people where we talk about, like, our favourite Greek gods and stuff. And I'll be like, oh, my favourite Greek god is Hades. Because, like, I obviously find him extremely attractive, the concept of him. But regardless, I just like the underdog. And people will be like, oh, that's, like, weird. Like, he's, you know, bad vibes. I'm like, no, he's good vibes to me. So, what I mean is... Everyone has different interpretations of people and characters. And I think that's something that's so special about books. How having these three books based on the same tale are so different from each other and have so much to offer to a reader if they just want to read something and enjoy their time. But anyway, this is turning into a book episode and it's not supposed to turn into a book episode. <laughs> I don't really have much to add about Greek gods I'd sell my soul to. I think it's pretty obvious that if Hades showed up at my doorstep, like in two hours i'd say yes uh whisk me away to whoever you want i am sorry to my boyfriend for that one i hope you read these books i hope you like talk to me about what your favorite god is like leave a comment or i don't fucking know look at my social media um that i might actually start posting i know i have barely think anything on it but i am so ridiculously busy because of exams and because of work that i can barely balance my life but I'm trying to change jobs. I actually have a job interview tomorrow. So we're going to see how that goes. And I might try and record some more because I haven't been able to record in ages. And I love talking to y'all. I think it's so much fun. I can just like express my crazy, my psycho. And no one can just be for it. Because if you're listening to this, you're like me. So welcome to the club. I hope you have a lovely day. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you are well. Uh, or as well as you can be. And I hope that I can be a little safe corner of the internet for you where you can just indulge in your dirty little secrets with me. That's all. If you want to check out my Instagram, I'm called the darkest magic, the full stop darkest full stop magic. I don't have a TikTok. I don't know if I'm going to make a TikTok. And just stay tuned for the next episode for whenever the hell I'm going to release that. I'm going to start making promises about when I'm going to release stuff because I never actually do what I say I'm going to do. <laughs> And I goodbye, be some more days.